Welcome to Affiliates in Action for the month of February of 2016. Hi, I'm Debbie Hazelton. This month, we bring you two parts. This week, we will hear from our state affiliate for this month, Bay State Council of the Blind. Join me as I sit with board member Jeff Bishop and the current president of this affiliate, Brian Charlson. Next week, part two, with our special interest affiliate for the month, BITS, Blind Information Technology Specialist. Tell us about Bay State, Brian. Tell us about how long it's been there and how long you've been with it and what you all are about. Okay, so the Bay State Council of the Blind started its history as the Blind Leadership Club, a group of uh, young college students who found themselves wanting to socialize on a regular basis and weren't all that keen in affiliating with either of the two national organizations at first. Uh, and some of the names of the people who were involved with that became very important names in the history of ACB. They include Charlie Crawford, former executive director of the American Council of the Blind, and Terry Pacheco, who also used to work for ACB prior to moving on to the FCC. These young Turks had as much fun uh, going bowling and you know out for beers in the evening than anything else. Eventually, they sought affiliation with the American Council of the Blind back when their president was Phyllis Mitchell, who was very, very active back in the mm. 80s or so. So they became an affiliate of the ACB. We are celebrating in March at our annual convention our 40th anniversary. But I have to tell you, it's the 40th since the founding of the Blind Leadership Club, not the 40th of the affiliation with ACB. Hmm. We are, in fact, as part of that celebration, going to have an opening panel which will include another initial member of the Blind Leadership Club, Chris Devon, who is currently our first vice president in our affiliate. So Chris and Charlie Crawford and Chris's wife, Kathy Devon, it gets kind of crazy. Kathy used to be married to to Charlie. Uh, so it's going to be interesting for him to be on a panel with a former wife. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what can I say? We're, we're very liberal here in the state of Massachusetts. <laughs> and this is a, a panel that you're having in April? Uh, no, at our convention. The oh, first weekend in March. In March? Our, our oh, cool. So it'll be streamed. It will indeed. Hey. We've been doing that for a number of years now. At first, we did all of our streaming by way of our local radio reading service before ACB got involved. And the moment ACB made it possible, then our team... Went, went to work to do that. We also have another thing that happens on ACB radio, and that's the Council Connection, which is heard regularly on ACB radio mainstream. It's kind of a news magazine that uh, one of our members, Steve Dresser, has been doing for many years. Uh, prior to the passing of our affiliate president, Marsha Dresser, she was the co-host of that show. But we're continuing on in her absence. And that is on mainstream, so I wonder why I am not seeing it listed as a podcast. Any idea? We do have it as a podcast, but not on ACB radio at this point. Our podcast oh. is distributed through the usual means of I, 
let me say it again. iTunes. I got to say it right. iTunes. And also is posted on our website, which is not, strangely enough, bscb.org. We couldn't get that particular name. So we're acbofma.org. acbofma.org. Best we could do to get something close to what what our name was. So we do post that as a podcast there and on iTunes. We should get that over over to mainstream. I think I bet we could. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get it in ACB link as well. That's right. There you go. Oh, we're so in love with ACB Link in Massachusetts, I'll tell you. (laughs) Yay! We have uh, the the father of ACB Link. He may not have been the programmer, but he's the one who got the ball rolling on the whole idea, Mr. Jeff Bishop here, who is going to be staying with us here in Massachusetts for a couple of days prior to our state convention, at which Jeff is our national speaker, and we'll be speaking on our program two times, giving a national report as we ask our national speakers to do, but also participating by doing a seminar on how to use ACB Link. That's uh, I think great. That first one's on a Friday afternoon, and the second one is on a Saturday morning. Yeah. We work them hard, Jeff. When you come to Massachusetts, you will earn your uh, your stay here. No problem. <laughs> this this is called baptism by fire. You know, having to go give the national report in front of the president. I love it. It is uh, scary at best. Yeah, very, very scary. So well, <laughs> It'll depend on how hungry you are. <laughs> That's right. There you go. I won't be that hungry because Brian's a great cook. <laughs> I know. Oh, we'll, we'll have fun. You will so, have fun. The Bay State is, you know, like other ACB affiliates made up of local chapters. We have a North Shore chapter, a South Shore chapter, a guide dog users chapter, a student chapter, and one called the Charles River chapter, which is the one here in the, the Watertown area. All of them have regular meetings about quarterly. The guide dog users group a little less than that uh, because it's a statewide affiliate. They have a little t- trouble getting everybody in, but they have at least two meetings a year. Our student group is also quite active. Oh, and both great. of them, by the way, are not only affiliated with our state organization, but also affiliated with their respective national organizations. So GDUM is a member of both the Bay State and GDUI, and ACB, excuse me, BSCB students is a member of both the Bay State and of ACB students. So we get, we make that kind of thing happening because we do a special thing when it comes to dues. Uh-huh. Everybody's worried about how many times you get charged dues to do things. So our state organization said, we're really not balancing our budget based on the dues we get from our members. So that if you are a member of a regional chapter, North Shore, South Shore, that kind of thing, and a member of a special interest affiliate, students or guide dogs, we charge state dues only once Mm -hmm. and we forego the other. It makes it a little crazy for our treasurer to keep track of who paid dues where, but we get through it each year. Okay. And when do they when do when do those dues have to be in effect? Oh, I mean, those, when- those those pretty much are a first or by at least by the end of February. Now we're going to be one of the affiliates who does all of our activity by way of the. Let me get the letters right, Jeff. M. What is it? AMMS, the National mm-hmm. Database System. So rather than typing ours up and sending it into the national office, we'll do the data entry electronically 
and therefore we have to send in our membership at a slightly different time this year than in past years. So I can't remember what that is, but it's a we get to send ours in a little bit later, and those who do it by paper send theirs in a little bit earlier. Okay. It gives the staff time to do all that data processing stuff. And what is the size of Bay State? We have 250 members or so at this point. Mm. The membership uh, ebbs and wanes over time. Um, Unfortunately, our membership chair was our president, and our president uh, was ill, pretty drastically ill, eventually cost her life from pancreatic cancer uh, during this year. So during that period of time, we kind of got quiet for a while in terms of membership development, but I've appointed a new committee chair for that, and I'm expecting Bay State to be in the running next year, not this July, but next July, for membership uh, development from the membership committee. Mm. It's a primary goal we set ourselves for our next calendar year or fiscal year. Okay. Now, of our other things that our affiliate is very, very much involved with, we publish a quarterly newsletter called Baylines, and that's published in Braille and large print and electronically, and in an audio fashion, we're about to stop producing it in uh, standard narrated form and place it on our local newsline as a special channel that's been opened up for us at the Braille and Talking Book Library here in Massachusetts. So people will be able to read our magazine in all the formats, and we won't have to worry about whether they have a you know a CD player or a cartridge-based player or a, you know all of those kinds of audio formats. We'll put it in that one way, and everybody who needs it will be able to get access to it, no matter what their playback device. Oh, that's great! Tell us some other things about more of your members in terms of some of the the kinds of people and. Uh, the kinds of work they do or involvements uh, that some of them have in, in other ways? Sure. Our affiliate is really quite a cross-section because we have a very active student affiliate. We have young people who attend our events. Uh, we make a real point when we do social activities. We have a social committee that some of those social activities are not designed to meet the interests of everybody, but of, of um, young people at least two times out of the four times a year we do a social activity. Right now we're working out uh, an opportunity to go to one of these rock climbing oh. organizations mm-hmm. where they have a rock climbing wall. That's not really going to appeal to people who've recently celebrated their 60th birthday. <sighs> Nobody you would know. But <laughs> it would be very interesting to our younger members. Uh, we also have a very active member, Jerry Barrier, formerly of Pennsylvania, been here in Massachusetts for a number, number of years, and he's a very active birder. So we went bird watching mm. oh, neat. or listening, if it, as it were. I would love and, that. And uh, he also owns a parabolic mic. Uh, Jeff, have you ever seen one of those? Oh, he's on mute. Oh. <laughs> a parabolic mic looks really rather odd. It's like a giant plastic cone. But instead of the microphone fitting in the center facing outward, the microphone fits in the center facing inward. And by pointing that cone in the direction of a sound, it's as if you are using a a monocular 
to mm. visually tune in something. You can auditorily tune in something. Oh, wow. We'll be holding a bird watching here in a very famous cemetery, uh, Mount Auburn Cemetery. Uh, it's so it, it dates back to the Revolutionary War. And we'll be doing some bird watching in there in the early spring. How we cool. have an annual lunch over at a local place called the Boston Beer Works, just outside the gates of Fenway Park, the home of the Red Sox. Mm -hmm. uh, we also do a different kind of bowling here in New England, candle pin bowling. The pins are slightly smaller. The balls are dramatically smaller, more like a croquet ball, if you will. Mm -hmm. And instead of getting all those gutter balls, you push a button and a little fences pop up in the gutters. So no matter what you do, your ball is going to go to the end. It might not hit any pins, but no gutter balls. I love it. And Aww. so we have a, we had a, a great event doing that earlier this year. So we're very socially active. <laughs> also keep in mind that uh, the vast majority of our membership are in the greater Boston area, a very large area, but as a result of availability of public transportation, a very popular area to live in. And we uh, do things like go to audio described plays, audio described movies, accessible museums throughout the greater city of Boston. Uh, so we get together socially quite often. We're also very active politically. We're part of a consortium. We put on a blind legislative information networking day. We call blind day, B-L-I-N-D. <laughs> uh, and that's all the blindness entities, whether they're public or private, uh, service provider or consumer organizations. We pool our resources and take our message of uh, legislative need to our legislature once a year. We also are very active on the boards of the Mass Commission for the Blind and uh, also the MBTA, our Massachusetts Bay Transit Authority. We have a access board there. We have a member serving on that. So we do our best to be involved both in the blindness system and in systems that affect blind people and also in cross-disability organization. There's a group here called the Disability Policy Consortium. And Bay State Council of Blind was one of the forming members of that organization. So we certainly do stand arm-in-arm uh, -arm with our friends who are hearing impaired mm -hmm. uh, or physically impaired, etc. So much Brian, great activity. Well, that is amazing. This is the first I've heard about this, about you really engaging with you know, all of the consumer groups. Um, and, uh, I, I think we, we, we somehow need to foster that across the organization if we possibly can. I'm not sure how we would do that, but I think that's really neat because I, I think that we should be speaking with a more united voice where we can to further the cause, uh, you know, as much as we can. And I know that's really politically difficult, but I yeah, think it's it would difficult. Be very... it's, it's not always been easy and it takes no a long time to foster yeah. those personal relationships as well mm -hmm. as organizational relationships. The only reason we're able to do it here, quite honestly, is when it comes to blindness-related issues, the blindness community unites together. That's ACB, NFB, Perkins School for the Blind, Carroll Center for the Blind, Mass Commission for the Blind, Lowell Association, National Braille Press, uh, Massachusetts Association, for the blind and visually impaired community services, these all these organizations 
realize that uh, we either hang together or, or we hang separately. Mm -hmm. So we're very, very, in, take that relationship very, very seriously. When it comes to cross-disability, the executive directors of some of the cross-disability entities here, you know, independent living centers and that kind of stuff, are used to uh, seeing us at their meetings. We're not only there when the subject is blind significant, we're there when the subject is significant, whether it's blindness, deafness, physical disability, uh, you know, mental or psychiatric disability, those kinds of things. A good so case you... in point right now is paratransit. Naturally, blind people want to have access to paratransit because it's not always a matter of whether or not you can get on and off a bus. Sometimes it's whether or not you can get from the bus stop to the place of business you're trying to get to. Uh, or the weather conditions make it so that it's not really safe for you to get to and or from, especially last winter, for example. Mm -hmm. So we want to have access to that. But in the same way we want access, we know that that our fellow disabled citizens who are wheelchair users need a different kind of access. And mm -hmm. that access has to be as readily available to them as our access is for us. And that sometimes means that to even out the cost of things, we need to pay a little bit more for our transit service so that we can underwrite the cost of the more expensive wheelchair equipped equipment, that kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. That's great. So do you guys get together before you go up to the hill, you know, in, in Boston and, and actually meet with, you know, your, your uh, state representatives and, and sort of plan your strategy as a, as a core constituency or, or how does that work? You know, kind of like how we do at a national level. Yeah, a bit like that. What we do is we hold this one-day event, and in advance of that event, all of the organizations have a couple of representatives on the planning committee. And one of the things that we plan as a committee is what our legislative subjects are going to be this year. Frequently, as you can well imagine, it's funding services for blind people through transit and through the rehab system and the special education system. And once we've established those priorities, we then put together, if you will, talking papers on them, kind of a single sheet bulleted list. Mm -hmm. And during the event itself, which happens in what they call the Great Hall, this is the largest single room in the state capitol building, we offer up a lunch to those who come. And typically we're talking, oh, 150 people or so who attend. And then we have speakers. We have a consumer who's been going through the rehab process in a successful manner, a student who's going through special education in an effective manner. Always the MC is themselves uh, a blind person, and that rotates through this. It's very important, we think, that this be a consortium of blind people for blind people, including the entities who serve our interests, i.e. The, the agencies, public and private. And it's worked out really incredibly well. We're going into our eighth annual blind day. Uh, mm. And so far, it's been, it's been pretty successful. Gosh, it sounds great. I mean, just across the board. This is wonderful. I should say that there are still points of contention that happen out there. Not so much in the blindness system itself. But uh, there have been some cases settled in years past that weren't cross-disability enough. 
for example, you know, I'm a big baseball fan, and Fenway Park had a settlement dealing with seating for people with disabilities. Unfortunately, that settlement was done with people with physical disabilities. Mm -hmm. And so when it came to whether or not there would be an accommodation for a guide dog user, and uh, baseball fans who've been to other parks know that Fenway has the narrowest seats in all of Major League Baseball. So there ain't much room at your feet, Debbie, at one of these events. Uh-huh. So we need, when requested, to be able to sit in a wheelchair accessible space because those are folding chairs separated a bit more. So there's mm -hmm. more room for the dog at your feet. Yeah. Uh, but we've, we've had to deal with re-advocating, if you will, when there's cases that have been settled only in the interest of one particular subset of the disability community. We haven't had any pushback about that by the way, the one accommodation there is um, you can buy a disability seat in every price range throughout the park. It's not like blind people sit here or okay. deaf people sit That's there. Good. It's in every price range within the park. So I can spend way too much money on a ticket if I want to sit down on the third baseline or something. But we also acknowledge that a wheelchair user can't get there at all unless there's accommodation. Blind people can get there, although it may be more difficult if the seats they're trying to locate are in the middle of the grandstands and you have to go up 42 steps or down 31 steps to get into the right row to find your seat, those kind of things. So we agree that we have access to those wheelchair seats for the 48 hours prior to a game. We can buy them if they're still available while wheelchair users have, um, what is it, twice the time that they have access to those seats. So it works fine for us. It hasn't created a re real problem for us as of yet. Boy, it's just amazing. You guys cover a lot of ground. Well, we're very lucky. You know, we live, and I, I will honestly tell you, and I really do believe this, some of the things that Kim and I have been involved with are a direct result of geography. Had we stayed in the, our hometown out in Salem, Oregon, there would have been opportunities to affect things, and, and we did have some, some good experiences out there. Um, but here we have WGBH, the home of what? Descriptive video. Descriptive video. Uh, we have um, a whole system by which well things like national braille press that's mm -hmm. a national treasure it's yeah. not just a local treasure we have the perkins school for the blind again yeah. a national treasure mm -hmm. not just a local treasure and all of these things are within about a 20 mile radius oh that's wonderful yeah. so you can do an awful lot more uh, in that regard and of course we're not all that far from washington dc so we don't have too much trouble finding members who are willing to travel the 55 minutes by air from Boston to Washington, D.C. We can fly down and back in the same day. I would think that a lot of affiliates hearing this are going to get some really great ideas. I wonder how you maybe already are helping other affiliates and might further. Well, one of the things that is true here is that... Um, Many of our members have traveled to the state conventions of other affiliates. Yes, I did for all those years I was on the board and still do 
Kim does as ACB president. But for example, uh, Rick Morin and I go to the Sagebrush Conference every mm -hmm. year and do the internet broadcasting of that. <clears throat> and we, we're not just there, you know, pushing buttons and turning on and off mics and that kind of thing. We're also interacting with the members there about the subjects they're interested in and, mm -hmm. and have spoken on their program as well. So we do some of that. And of course, uh, we were very pleased to be part of the con little consortium during the national convention where Maryland, Massachusetts, and Florida get together to do a caucus, a joint caucus. And that's a really great way for us to learn what other affiliates are up to so that we might be able to learn from their experience. We do, for example, here at our national or our state convention, rather, a auction after the banquet. And if there's any entity that knows how to hold an auction, mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Florida Council. Of the oh, yes. <laughs> Those people are auction crazy down there. And they've taught me a lot of things about how to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've also shared what not to do because we've all done, we've learned from uh, experience what not to do as much as what to do. Mm -hmm. And then again, we've seen affiliates like California, Florida, again, I'll pick on them, uh, who put out some spectacular newsletters. Washington State, another state that's excellent at doing that. And that we've seen affiliates that have gone way out of their way to make sure that there's not the now, we have a tendency here in Massachusetts because everything is Boston-based. All transportation leads into and out of Boston. And as a result, it's always easier to hold a meeting in Boston because you can get there by public transportation in one form or another. And we'd love to have our convention out on the Cape and down in Springfield and out west in Worcester and those kind of things and have done so in the past. But attendance goes down mostly because out. to get there yeah. you have a harder transportation row to hoe people mm -hmm. have to then come into boston and then back out again to get to the, some of these places mm -hmm. so we've learned from california about this idea of, of not holding one annual event but two so mm -hmm. we hold a fall conference that's a one-day conference and then we hold our um we, we call it spring, although early March doesn't quite qualify as spring in this area, <laughs> but it's how things worked out with the hotel contract this year, mm -hmm. uh, which is our business meeting convention. Business uh, meeting convention, okay. Yeah, so we do our convention as programming, exhibits, and business, you know, elections, mm -hmm. constitution, bylaws, resolutions, that kind of thing. And then our one-day meeting is a self-help meeting. We have a plenary session, a uh, bit in the morning for general speakers. And then we break out into a series of overlapping uh, hour, hour and a half long self-help ones. This year I did one called uh, Cooking Without Fire. I had to come up with a way to do a cooking class without being able go. to have a burner. Yeah. So you would have loved it, Debbie. I, I would have. Uh, and I did hummus with pita bread. Oh. I did... Uh, BLT sliders, mm. and I did a fresh berry and lemon tart Yum. without lighting a burner. Well, and speaking of, see, you you really should have not you should have thought before you walked into that subject because we want you on cooking with the hazelnuts. We want you to you know either demo something or come on and and hang with us and talk or whatever you want but or both and we want you know we want to have you 
do some stuff there. That'd be great. Yeah, and be happy to do it. Now, yeah. you had asked earlier in in the interview here about what some of our people do. Our yes. members. We have a membership that is significantly more highly employed. They have jobs than the national average. Mm -hmm. Uh, They range in age from their mid-70s down to 18 years of age with a a fairly substantial cluster in that 40 to 60 year range. It's about an an equal mix of men and women. Uh, It's, you know, we have the largest guide dog affiliate in GDY here in Massachusetts. So we have a higher than than Mm -hmm. usual guide dog user uh, group. We also have an ethnically diverse group uh, representing, you know, Caucasians and Asians and uh, African-Americans and Hispanics. We're a very wonderfully ethnically diverse community here in Massachusetts, here in Watertown, which is, again, in kind of a northwest mm-hmm. uh, nearby community uh, to Boston. And we, in our five and a half square miles, have people who speak 36 different native tongues. Oh, so it's very ethnically diverse. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's kind of clusters. In, in Watertown, we laughingly say anybody who wants to run for public office had better be Armenian. <laughs> we have the largest Armenian community outside of Armenia, with one exception. L.A. has more Armenians than Watertown, but only barely. Um, so we're very ethnically diverse in our affiliate as well. I would say politically, we're, like Massachusetts, more liberal than not uh, in general issues. Uh, and we're very participatory. I think back, oh, I'm, talk, I'm talking some time ago, uh, our then governor, think back when uh, a former presidential candidate was the governor of Massachusetts, and I'm not talking Romney, go back to Dukakis. Mm-hmm. When he was governor, one of the ways that he wanted to force the legislature to raise taxes to fund human services things, he reduced the library for the blind budget to one dollar one dollar which would and he did this on a number of other services as well which would have resulted in us having to close our library if if the legislature didn't do something about it and and they did but we were we did kind of a bit of a guerrilla warfare in this regard we weren't getting the attention of the legislature because it was the governor versus the legislature kind of thing. So what we did, again, as a consortium of blindness entities, it wasn't just Bay State that did it, but it was Bay State that took the lead. We printed uh, several tens of thousands of alternative mailing cards and passed them around to everybody who had talking book services. Mm-hmm. You know that card you flip over to send it back to the library? Yep. We had you put this card in instead. Just put it over oh. the top of that card. And it sent every talking book back to the Speaker of the House. <laughs> and you know those big canvas roll-around bins that yeah. they use? He got four of those a day. <laughs> the U.S. Postal Service had to send a <laughs> truck every day to his office 
to collect these up. <laughs> and if you read the Free Matter for the Blind regulations, we did not violate Free Matter for the Blind because a blind person can send something to a person or entity that serves the blindness community. And the legislature <laughs> was not at all interested in challenging whether or not they serve the interests of the blindness community. So not only did we get our funding back, we doubled our funding. Oh, I love uh, it. For the it's great. Year. So, you know, we're, we're a little creative when it comes to those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not always a pretty picture. We see, you know, funding cuts happening. Our governor had uh, announced their budget today. Uh, and he says that the state has a $950 million deficit, uh, nearly a $1 billion deficit. Now, there are those uh, who would disagree with how he's counting the numbers, yeah. myself being one of them. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, we, you know, we'll have to fight to do certain things. Our library was level funded, which is fine. Our state agency for the blind was level funded. That's fine. Our concern is that there's a lot of talk in this administration about eliminating separate agencies on disability and turning them into one mega mm. agency. Oh. And in our experience, that has never mm -mm. been a good thing for blind people, no. for there to be a bureau of blindness instead of a commission for the blind that's a mm -hmm. separate. So we, you know, we have to fight the battle, fight the fight on a fairly regular basis, but we've been winners more often than we've been losers. It's a lot of work and at the same time, it sounds like you have some really good worker bees. And we have fun about it. Quite yeah. honestly, nobody is going to go and do these things over and over again mm -hmm. because it needs doing. There's got to be a couple of things that's true. One, there has to be something in it for them. If you're finding your transit service threatened and it's your transit service that gets you to and from work, to and from school, to and from worship services or whatever, then you're going to get involved. Mm -hmm. to keep that happening. On the other hand, let's say we're talking about special education. Well, most blind and visually impaired adults are not part of the education system anymore. So there's nothing in it for them. But hopefully they remember that other people advocated for them to get services as young people. And they will do the same now that they're the adult in the mix. And that's been, we've been pretty successful at doing that all in all. We also have Ryan. opportunities for people to be mentors. Yeah, hold a second, Jeff. I'll give it right sure. here. To be mentors. Because, you know, most blind people don't know other blind people. Yeah. They simply don't. Mm -hmm. We're all in a, some form of isolation. So we really try to get involved in that. Go ahead, Jeff. You had a question? Yeah, I just wanted to also give you an opportunity to talk about an area that you think the rest of ACB might be able to help your affiliate? Is there an area that you think that, that uh, you guys could use some help to further the cause of your affiliate? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We would love to find a way to open the door to more special interest affiliates within our organization. We have a, a couple of logistical problems in doing that. Already our guide dog users and students take Friday evening sequentially to hold meetings excuse me, in space that we make available to them. We'd love to have a library users affiliate here. Why would I say that? Because I happen to be president of Library Users of America. <laughs> but the I trick is where to find the hours in the day mm -hmm. when we meet 
for them to to meet without conflicting with something. So how other affiliates succeed in having multiple special interest affiliates within their state organization. That would be really useful information for us. I wonder if Team Talk will help with that. I mean, yes, it involves technology, but I wonder if the fact that it is, uh, you don't have to have the iPhone, but, you know, I mean, I don't know what your ratio ratio is of people that are, you know, using computers, computer savvy at all. But I'm thinking that, that Team Talk is just becoming more and more accessible and there can be multiple rooms set up there for, for more meetings. Yeah, I was excited to see Bits take advantage of that right away. Yep. The For me, we need to find ways to do a couple of things. One is absolutely to take advantage of technology as a means of communicating between things. And our student affiliate does hold regular conference call type activities. And they are definitely all adopters of technologies. Mm-hmm. Our problem is keeping them from, you know, from inventing the next space rocket kind of thing. They're just <laughs> very, very, very active in that regard. Also, though, um, there's such value in face-to-face meetings. Yes. The, yeah. That kind of thing. And that's really the value for us for putting on social activities. We really think that blind people learn from one another and benefit from associating with one another. Social, too, yeah. It's it's very, very important part of things. Mm -hmm. So library users, we'd like to be able to uh, do some library-related things. It's a little difficult when um, the president of ACB also is the director of the Braille and Talking Book Library here because the minute we think of something interesting to do, she finds a way to have the library do it. So they have a, a library without walls event they do by conference call. And uh, somewhere between 20 and 40 people call in and hear an author. And there's a Q&A component of that. So we've you know, had the voice of the Red Sox uh, radio personality on there. We've had a, a woman who opened a great new bakery downtown and wrote a cookbook come on. Uh, we've had the uh, voice of our, I think pretty much every part of the country has some form of, of weekend news television magazine kind of thing. And so we had one of the major uh, voices of that on uh, this last time around. But again, library users, we have what, three book clubs we're aware of oh. here in Massachusetts of blind book readers. Mm. So we need to find other things that a library users affiliate could get involved with. And one of those would be electronic, no doubt, but other people are in that space. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> I don't know about you, but there's not enough hours in my day already. No. It yeah. better bring something new to the party. Mm-hmm. I'd love to get a Randolph Shepard vendors affiliate here uh, and be part of our active community. Um, for that matter, you know, I am very concerned that for those of color, there's a real problem in employment there. The, the rate of unemployment among blind people is bad enough, but mm-hmm. blind and uh, being a person of color at the same time, very, yeah. very difficult. Yeah. Uh, so we have to deal with some of those kinds of issues. So we could really use special interests wanting to come here to Massachusetts to establish a state affiliate here. Mm, 
and uh, help us develop the leadership to do that. That's a that's great. Yeah. Okay. It certainly has helped ACB over the years develop membership by embracing this concept of the special interest affiliate. And in what way could ACB Radio further help your affiliate? Well, already, you know, with Council Connection, with this little show called The Yin Yang Show, where we talk about ACB quite a bit, to be mm -hmm. honest with you, on uh, ACB Radio. Interactive on Thursday evening, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. That's I got right. My commercial on there. <laughs> um, we get very much involved with that. And we're lucky that we're able to contribute to things like, uh, well, the legislative seminar where Rick and I will be broadcasting on behalf of ACB Radio. Um, I think ACB Radio needs to do one very, very strong thing for us and our affiliate. And that's continued to be a very active partner with us. Every once in a while, uh, an entity gets into this, well, maybe we can do it ourselves kind of thing. And I'm not a believer in that. Mm -hmm. So although I do have a few members who says, well, why do we have to rely on ACB radio to broadcast things? Since mostly it's going to be Massachusetts people who listen, my, why don't we just create a little server for ourselves? This is one of the problems you get when you have highly technical members. Yeah. To them, it's, it's the challenge of creating this thing. Why do you think that our um, radio program is podcast but not on ACB radio? played on ACB radio, but it's not part of the archive, right? Because they just went and did it on their own. Because they, they had didn't... fun doing yeah. it mm -hmm. on their own and building mm -hmm. the pieces. Mm -hmm. So I try, try to say, you know, that's all fine and good, but I'd rather use your talents doing something we can't partner on, mm -hmm. that there is not a partner rather than ACB radio. So I'm just anxious to have ACB radio continue to offer an opportunity for us to broadcast our convention, mm -hmm. to broadcast our monthly radio show it's also heard on the local uh, radio reading services mm -hmm. to give our members an opportunity to learn which is really what acb radio mainstream is all about learning what other people are doing learning skills you know like you know the hazelnut show you're learning about cooking there mm -hmm. um i loved your last show about the mistakes and all that business <laughs> I thought I thought you would. I oh, you specifically. Must have, you must have thought about my vertical pizza. No, I didn't think of that so much. But I I just thought that you would have had fun with you know that you probably liked the fun of all oh, that. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I heard something about a vertical pizza. Yeah, indeed. Well, I made pizza here during the Yin Yang <laughs> Show one evening, and as I pulled my pizza peel out of the oven, the second one, the first one came out great. Second one, I went to put the peel back into. <sighs> pull it out of that really hot oven off the uh, baking bricks mm -hmm. and uh, it wouldn't go in. I couldn't figure out why. So I had to very carefully reach in <laughs> to this burning hot oven only to find out that when I pulled back the pizza peel, the pizza mostly came back out and then only stuck at the very last moment. And so as I pulled the pizza peel out, two thirds of the pizza flopped downward. And when oh, I slowly slammed the oven closed, it baked in that position. Oh. So I think this is a great invention, personally. <laughs> think of all the times people have had to bring pizza home in a pizza box, holding it horizontally. If they had only bought my vertical pizza, 
they could have carried it under their arm. That's great. Hard to keep toppings on it, though. I have to do. Yeah. I'm still working that out. Well, it might be, you know, you buy it, you bring it home, and then you put your toppings <laughs> on. Uh, something along those lines. Yeah. But but we, we really do um, need all of us to remember, you know, there's never been a better time to be a blind person than right now. Mm-hmm. We have more access to all those major activities in life than we ever have. What's scary is when we start to take them for granted because everything that's been achieved can be unachieved. If we don't continue to pressure banking to make sure that the banking process is accessible, it can go away. If we don't make sure that audible traffic signals are installed, that uh, detectable warnings are installed when, when roadways are done. I I can attest the amount of labor it took when Watertown rehabbed a one-mile strip of the major, one of the major roads through town and made all of the curb cuts um, diagonal. If you went down a curb cut, you'd walk straight into the center of the intersection. Now, it's not allowed to do that. But they did it, and um, because it literally was made in stone, it was impossible to undo that. They came out to do the second part of that project two years later, Mm. and we made sure that without signature by the disability community, that that wasn't going to happen. And you know, they almost did it again. I had Mm. to go to a meeting of the state board when they put in the final plans, and they accidentally turned them back into apex curb cuts again. And I said, I will not sign. I will, I will file uh, the necessary papers to um, take you to court if you do this. And they didn't do it. They did it the right way, but they still made a number of mistakes. And um, part of that whole contract was the contractor was not going to get final payment until it was approved. Mm-hmm. And I had them tear up a dozen curb cuts. Good for you. That were placed in the wrong place. Can you imagine a curb cut that at the base of the curb cut at the road, there is a one of those drain grates parallel to Ugh. the crosswalk. So a wheelchair user could roll down that and the wheel drop straight in mm. to that grill. Or Ugh. a curb cut where there is no flat top to the curb cut on an island. So that you, you when you used your wheelchair to get to the top of the curb cut and you had to push the pedestrian button to continue, you could roll backwards or forward, but you couldn't stay stable. So I had them rip them out. There was also a curb cut that was a non-curb cut. And we had a member, Al Gazagan. Did you ever meet Al? Mm -mm. He was one of our founding members uh, of the Bay State Council, uh, passed away a number of years ago. Mm. Anyway, he was walking across a major street in Watertown Square that blind people have crossed for years and years and years. And they put no curb cut. Instead, they cut straight through the island. And you couldn't tell when to stop because the lighting was such. You had to stop in the middle. And he walked right through it and got hit by a car and hit the sign. So we have to be advocates. We We cannot be passive Mm -hmm. and say, well, my town's doing fine or my little intersection's doing fine. We have to commit ourselves all, one and all, to defend one another's access that we've been able to achieve up to this point. At the same time, we're looking to promote even better access 
as things change. You know, traffic is not the same now as when I got my original mm-hmm. O&M training. How about you? No, it's absolutely no, not. Quiet mm-hmm. cars, one of those things. Yeah. Changing in the way ta- traffic flows are. Lights and everything's different. Quiet lights, for that matter. Yeah. I used to listen to the thing go click, and that's when I knew it was time to cross, right? Mm-hmm. Things like that. So we have to continually advocate for these kinds of things. And Lord knows it's better done together than separate. It is. It is. And this that's is the cool. value of, of affiliation with organizations like Bay State Council of Blind, American Council of Blind, and ACB's special interest affiliates as well. California, Florida, Iowa, Texas, guide dog users, students, IT professionals, government employees. The American Council of the Blind has members in all 50 states and is actively engaged in a wide variety of activities. We advocate for the education, employment, and social inclusion of all blind and visually impaired Americans. We publish a monthly magazine. We hold an annual conference and convention and operate a multi-channel internet radio station. Check us out at acb.org. Together, we can do anything. Hello, this is John McCann, President of Blind Information Technology Specialists. We look forward to being with you here on ACB Radio's new program, Affiliates in Action, Monday, February 8th, 10 p.m. Eastern. On ACB Radio Mainstream. So, Jeff, I know that we were both hugely excited with all that Brian shared, and I know I have some thoughts. I want to know what... What were some of the best takeaways from all of that for you? Well, I think the first thing that we have to say here is that bringing uh, Massachusetts in early in Affiliates in Action proves how talented our affiliates are Mm -hmm. and the things that we can learn from them and also the things that they can learn from all the other affiliates as well. I think Brian really represented that really, really well. You know, uh, I think it's hard to get a question like, you know, where do you think the rest of ACB can help you, especially when there's so much talent within that affiliate. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty amazing. And um, it takes a special person like that, like Brian, to to really show great leadership and, and um, to show that the, the work that's going on within that affiliate. I, I will say this. I am hugely excited about going. Oh, I so bet. This is going yeah. to be um, a life-changing <clears throat> event for me to be able to visit lots of the historic places and and to be able to spend time with, uh, you know, Brian and Kim and and, and others and, well, and Rick. And, and I spoke to Rick and we have agreed that it will be a veggie-free zone. Oh, oh, yes, I heard this. I heard this. That is great. <laughs> You'll be safe. Although, yes, we will be safe, I, including the popcorn, which will be a, a uh, vegetable, according to... That me. is the one exception, apparently. Yes, yeah. yes. Popcorn, well, yeah. that, right. yeah. Yes. You know, um, when I listen to Brian, I think, how in the world does he find time to sleep or, or anything? Or I Tim, mean, for that matter. Or Kim. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how either one of them do it. I mean, Mm-mm. they just go, 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 go. And, and I mean, I'm doing quite a bit too. And, and people tell me the same thing about me mm-hmm. here locally. But they're doing so much more than... Well, than, and, and it's amazing because, you know, it's not an either or. They cover everything. You know, the yep. advocacy, the community, mm-hmm. the building of so many groups working together. I mean, it just it just went on and on with all that 
it not only went, it goes, it continues it goes, yeah, on and on with everything yeah. they're doing. And we, that, yeah, we could have talked to Brian for another hour. Easily. Oh, easily. easily, easily. I could sit and I mean, Brian could teach. I, I, I would love to hear a panel, a panel of like Brian, Carla, Kim talk about the history of mm-hmm. ACB and and a lot of what you know. Brian really, I mean, you know, he he said so strongly. ACB and ACB radio need to be holding hands, need to be working together, and it is so true. And I, I'm just glad we're doing it. We really are doing it now. Well, and and I think this really shows other affiliates that, you know, how strong ACB really is. And and I mean, I even learned a lot about about that affiliate just through oh, that conversation. Yeah. Uh, I got very excited about a lot of the advocacy work that they're doing cross organization and and all of that. That was very intriguing to me, and and that I personally think that's something that that we should try to mimic um, across across all, all of our affiliates. I've if, seen if we can, if we yeah, can. Yeah, I've seen some do it, and sometimes there are these little in in of sort of things. But what I liked was the emphasis on. People are, what is going on? Oh, it's my cat. People are helping each other and people are having fun. Well, I think the key thing here is is that you need to work together where you possibly can, where you agree that you can work together. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key thing. And where you differ, that's okay because everyone has differing opinions even within ACB itself, we all of us don't have the same ideas, but it's working together, holding hands together, you know, maybe not literally but figuratively, and and really striving for the ultimate goal to better everyone and well, pulling everyone up. Well, I, th- I think also recognizing the needs that they both have in common and supporting each other through those, like when they talked about... Uh, the events where they needed to make sure there was enough seating around the chairs for both the dogs and the wheelchairs. Right, the baseball part. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't, uh, who's going to get here first? Well, I think we should because of blah, blah, blah. Or any, It was, let's work for the common good. Yep. Partnership. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I heard a lot of partnership, a lot of bonding, and... You know, a lot of Brian and Kim's spirits both mm-hmm. are, it's so contagious. You know, I mean, really a lot of Kim's spirit is what made me, you know, just ache at, that I wasn't at the last convention and just feel like, oh, I have to get involved more, 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 you know. And uh, yeah, and it sounds like Kim, even though she is our national president, is also very active you know, locally there. And of course, you know, there, there are different uh, places where they work, you know, and other yeah. places all there strong, you know, and, and National Braille Press and all these different places. That is so great. I think the other thing that I learned in this interview was how talented individuals are within affiliates too. Mm-hmm. And that I think we're going to learn that we're going to see a lot of this throughout all of our affiliates. And this brings up opportunities for us to grow ACB radio programming as we learn more about where people's strengths are 
and how we might be able to utilize their talents if they're so willing to come and talk to us and talk to all of you. So it's exciting times and we're just getting started. So this is great stuff. It is. And out of this, I also, I want to get more people that want to get involved with with the programming committee, but also many more promos. We want to have more promos on ACB radio about ACB than just about broadcasters and shows. I mean, that's great too. And those are are wonderful. But we we really want you to turn on ACB radio and hear, you know, things that help you feel really plugged in and that you're important to ACB and that the news you can hear from ACB is important to your life. So that's a lot of where, you know, I feel like we're going. Absolutely. Remember, ACB Radio is really the voice of ACB. And you're going to be hearing that throughout the year, but it's really, really true. And we want it to be that. So as all of you affiliates are listening to this program and we'll be in contact with you over the next uh, few months, keep that in mind because we want to hear all about your great work that you're doing where you might need some help potentially in certain areas. Uh, This is your opportunity to reach out and tell us all the great things you're doing and also reach out for help because all of us need it once in a while. And there's no shame in that whatsoever. Well, yeah, and we need it. And what is one's... Uh, what what is one's struggle is someone else's strength, and that's how yep. bonds are formed, yep. and and you know various forms of alliance and and allegiance, and I mean it's just it's really really great, and none of us are alone. We're really all in this together, and like Eric says, together we can do anything. It's true. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jeff, for doing this with me. And, um, you know, Jeff has been my go-to person constantly on this project of, well, what do we need to do here and what do we need to do? And and I've got more plans to tell you about. So it's really, really good. Thank you so much for for showing up and being in this with me. You're welcome. And uh, Bay State, I'll see you soon. Yeah, that's going to be so exciting. Yeah, I'm going to want to hear a lot about it. You'll hear you'll hear me. I'll be on ACB radio. You can tune in. You can count on my ahs and ums and <laughs> my nervous uh, things as I have to give give Kim's report. See. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll be great. You'll do a great job. Thank you, Jeff, and thank you, Brian, and thank you, listeners. Remember, as Kim has said, affiliates are the heart of our organization. And as we strive to share our information, remember what Eric says, together we can do anything. See you next week. It's BITS, Blind Information Technology Specialist on ACB Radio Mainstream, Affiliates in Action.